That's the what, but what, like, why do you have the what? What's the why behind the what? What are you going to do with this thing? Because I don't know about you, but my perception is uh, I've seen a lot of people that kind of get a real sense of passion and direction, maybe in their uh, teens, early 20s, but they just kind of lose their way a bit further down the track. And, and, and so, like, I see people who go into politics like, ah, oh, politics is just so much waste and corruption. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to sort out all of that. And then they're on the news because they have to resign because they've been going on a junket with their girlfriend overseas or they've been sleeping with the intern or something. And it's like, how did you, you went in there so clear on what you were going and you just lost your way in there somewhere? Or... Uh, being, you know, a CEO that comes in and going to restructure this business and then we're going to power on. And so they do all this stuff. There's carnage. People are hurt. And then it's like at the other end, they just kind of drop the ball and, and it's like they go on AWOL. And it's like, what are you doing? And, and they just kind of lose their way. And so, so I, I want to talk um, today about, if you like, about succeeding at success. There's, there's a phase early on when, when you're trying to find your way, you're trying to get a breakthrough, you're trying to get something up and going, but at some point, hopefully, things are going to start working a bit, and, and just like there's a whole lot of challenges back here, how to find where you're going, how to get started, there's a whole lot of challenges a bit further down the track, and a whole lot of people who lose their way. So, um, so and if and and if you're if you're young if you're just getting started maybe there's some things that you can settle in your heart now that're going to keep you on the right path in 10 years and 20 years time but maybe if you are like me a bit older I'm going to poke at some awkward questions for you that I that I have also have to deal with uh, and so and so just to think about this thing like what I, what how do I keep my perspective as I start moving through life and maybe as things start working a bit. And um, the reason this struck me, I was reading um, through the book of Nehemiah recently. And if you know the book of Nehemiah, it's this incredible story about this guy that's got this amazing leadership gift and he discovers what on earth he's here to do. He's there to rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the walls. You know, and he, there's a whole lot of lessons about picking up a sense of passion, a sense of call, about prayer. He has a whole lot of challenges. You know, there's opposition, there's taunting. At one point they have to half of them have got a sword, half of them have got their hammer. Like they, There's a whole lot of stuff that they learn about how to get this thing going, how to get a breakthrough, get something up and going. But a bit further down the track, there's a point when he's actually got this thing going a bit and there's a bit of momentum. And there's this really, I found this a really interesting passage which basically says, Nehemiah was as careful and intentional about managing success as he was about, uh, as he was about starting on the course. And, and he was actually we're very wary of messing up once he was in a position, in a sense of comfort and influence, and he managed that quite intentionally. So have a look at this passage. It says, it's found in Nehemiah verse 5. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be the governor in the land of Judah. So now he's not the young guy who's got a passion, got a call. He's not just trying to get something going. He's actually the, a governor of a whole land. Like he's, he's leading something. He's, got a, he's in a position of influence. Influence 
If you like, he's been successful at getting his project up and going. You know, he's gone through that stage when he was, had a vision to start a business and, and he worked hard. And now it's kind of up and flourishing, you know, or the equivalent, you know, he went into teaching with his dream. And now, now he, maybe he's managing a junior school or, or you know, now he's the sh- uh, foreman of a shift or something. He, like, he's, he's stepped into a place of influence, for Nehemiah significant influence. And it says, when I was appointed to be the governor until his 32nd, year so for 12 years so this is not just this is not just a little thought this is some practices that he put in place over a long period because he's like I'm not going to screw up now I'm not going to mess up I've worked so hard to get this thing up and going I'm going to be really careful and guarded to do well and success and it says this neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor it's like Oh, but part of the salary package was you get all this food. And he's like, no, no, I just made a decision. I'm not going to do that. You go, for 12 years. Like for 12 years, he chose not to, to take the kind of perks that were his. But the earlier governors, those preceding him, he placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. This, But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. It's like, I don't, yeah, but this is what you do. This is what all the other managers do. This is what you, now you've worked, you know, you've done the hard yards. You've worked hard. Now you get to kind of dial it back. You get to enjoy some of the perks. He's like, I don't care if everyone else does that. I'm not going to act like that. Out of reverence for God, I'm not going to act like that. And you go, man, what, what did he get that he made some decisions? I'm not going to act like, I don't care if that, oh, now you've you know, worked hard. Now you get one management unit at school so you don't have to teach those classes. You can just relax and stuff. It's like, no, no, out of reverence for God, I'm going to make some decisions about how I handle influence, how I handle success, how I handle power, because I don't want to mess up in this time because I want to take this through, you know, and he goes on to say this, instead I devoted myself to the work on this wall, I kept my eye on the task, I've actually got a job to do, it's not like I worked hard and I cracked this thing and now I can just cruise, it's no, I've got to keep my eye on the ball, I've got to keep focus, I've got to keep this thing moving forward, just because I'm now in a position of influence doesn't mean I just dial back and cruise, I've got to be devoted to the task, as much as I was devoted when I needed to try and get this thing up and go, I need to keep my eye on the ball about what I'm about. You know, all my men were assembled there for the work. It's like we, were, we kept our, our purpose. We had purpose still. We didn't just kind of wander. We didn't cruise. We were there for the job. And we said this, we did not acquire any land. We didn't feather our own nest. We didn't milk this for our own good. We didn't like, man, what can we accrue for ourselves in this? I'm there to do a job. I'm not there just to build my own private kind of well-being. The job is not there to, to feather my nest. I'm there to serve a greater purpose. And so that's why I say, what on earth am I here to do? I'm, I, wanna, I want you to see at a deeper level you're here to serve a purpose of God. You're actually a servant of God. I don't care if it's your business. It's not your business. It's God's business. It's not your classroom. It's not even your family, your kids. You are there as a steward to serve a purpose of God. What on earth am I here to do? Yeah, at one level am I here. Am I called to be a teacher, a, a, you know, a dentist, or a, a stay-at-home mum? That's one level of the question. The deeper level of the question is this. I'm here to steward something of God for His purposes. And I'm responsible to steward it well. 
And that's, I reckon that's the level that you've got to settle. That's the level, because that's where people lose it in the, in the kind of mid-30s, 40s, 50s, when it becomes all about them. You know, he, um, it's interesting, I spoke on this in Auckland City Church two weeks ago, I think, and then the next day those Panama papers came out. You know, all these international leaders who have just been bleeding their nations and bleeding their companies to feather their own nest. And, and that's precisely what Nehemiah said is like, that is not what his influence is about. That, that is offensive and insulting and that is just obnoxious in God's sight. You are a steward of influence for the purposes of God. Now he goes on to say, further 150 Jews and officials ate at my table as well as those who came to us from the surrounding nations. Each day one ox, six choice sheep, and poultry were prepared for me and every 10 days an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of all of this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor because the demands were heavy on these people. I'm there with a care for the well-being of this enterprise and the people involved in it. I'm not just going to milk them for everything I can get out of it. I, yeah, I had a right to this, but actually I realized this would have damaged this enterprise that I was in charge, and I'm a steward to do well in this thing for God's purposes. So I made some choices to forego some of my perks because I'm there to serve the purpose of God. You know, uh, and, and, and then he just finishes with this statement um, to pray. Remember me with favor, my God, for all I have done for these people. It's like, God, you know, I came all this time. I've just been trying to serve these people and your purposes here. And God, I ask you to, to see that and acknowledge it. And it's like, man, he, he was careful. Eh? He made some radical choices, sustained over a long period of time, that ensured that he, he handled success well. And the result was this. Oh, there's one gone. Um, the result was he finished well. Uh, Nicky Gumbel, who's the guy who wrote Alpha, did a devotion on this passage that I was reading through, and he just picked out some points that just are just quite interesting. You may not agree with all of them, or they might be a bit provocative, but just let them provoke you a bit. So this is what he said. Nehemiah in this passage set an example in his own life around personal integrity, things we've already mentioned. You know, he said, I did not act like that. I don't care if everyone does this. I don't care if, hey, you, you can do this. Don't worry. It's, it's not, you know, you gotta, we can get away with this. No, I don't care. Out of reverence for God, I'm not going to act like that. It's about my integrity. I'm going to be different. Um, you know, he talks about a modest lifestyle. You know, he made a choice. Neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. It's like we're not just going to be extravagant for the sake of extravagance. I'm concerned about the good of this enterprise that we're part of. Uh, and so he talked about, you know, no personal gain, which we've mentioned before. You know, we did not acquire any land. And down, in spite of all this, I never demanded the food. It was not about what I could get out of this position. I was there to serve the purposes of God. I'm there to see this classroom be the, be the most the place where kids flourish. I'm there to see this hospital ward be a place where patients feel safe and cared for. I'm there to see this business provide a great service to our clients and a, an environment where my staff grow. Um, that's what I'm there for. I'm there to see these two kids that God's entrusted to me 
grow to become all they're meant to be. I'm there to see the night shift at the McDonald's have the cleanest toilets and a positive, safe environment for people that come through. I don't care what it is. I'm there to serve the good purposes of God and the world that he's entrusted me to. You know, he goes on to say, generosity to others. This is this whole thing, 150 Jews and officials ate at my... It's not about what I can... I want to be a place... I want to be a source of blessing. I want to unlock blessing into my world. It's not about gimme, gimme, gimme. It's about bless, bless, bless. You know, and then... And single-minded hard work. So I said it's a bit provocative, eh? I devoted myself to work on this wall. It's like, oh, man, I've done the hard yards. I've, put, I've worked those hard years. Now it's time just to dial back, relax, take a few more holidays. It's like, no, no, I've got I've to keep my eye on the ball of this business, of this school, of this workplace. And, and the result was Nehemiah finished what he started, chapter 6. So the wall was completed. And it's like, man, you just need to get a passion. Like, I just don't want to be a good beginner, you know. I don't want to spend my teens and 20s. Yeah, I've come to uni and I've got this qualification. Then I'm going to get a break into this career. It's like, no, no, I want to finish what God called me to. And if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to handle success well. I'm going to have to handle influence well. Is this all right? No one, no one sounds too, too convinced. Um, ah, there's unfortunate, a picture hasn't come up there. There's a book um, by a guy, John Eldridge, called Fathered by God, uh, which is the story of, a, of um, the journey that men go through life, and he, and he divides it into a number of phases throughout their life. And, and it's about men, obviously, but it, I think it applies to women as well, the similar kind of things. And he talks about... And so I want to unpack this in terms of what he talks about. So he talks about this kind of warrior phase. So our God is a warrior because there are certain things in life worth fighting for, must be fought for. He makes man, and I'd add, and I would add, and woman, a warrior in his own image because he intends for man and woman to join him in that battle. It's like in your, you know, in your late teens, early 20s, you need to find a cause worth fighting for. You, can't, you just don't want to fritter away on fun and adventure. Like, take that, take that love for adventure and give it to a cause. You've got to find a battle. Like, I'm gonna, I'm, it's not good enough that kids are, are, are not flourishing in our education system. You know, I'm not happy with the, uh, the mental health care in our city. We're not, we're not happy with the teenage suicidal despair. It's like, find a cause. And, and that's what your late teens and early 20s are about. And, you know, the heart of the warrior says, I will not let evil have its way. There are some things that cannot be endured. I've got to do something. There is freedom to be had. The heart of the warrior says, I will put myself on the line for you. Like, you've got to find something worth dying for in your 20s. And so, but that's great. Once you do that... Then at some point, probably in your uh, mid-30s to 40s to 50s, something changes and because hopefully you start winning some battles. The business starts working. You know, you become the charge nurse. You become, not, you, become uh, you know, in charge of the middle school at the primary school. You start having influence. And something changes, and the language this guy uses for that is the language of becoming a king or a queen. In other words, you actually have oversight of some area. And this is his point, and this is the challenge I want to really hammer in today, is you've got to understand this phase, because this is where you can mess up. And so if you're young, I want you to know that you're going to come to this battle sometime. I want you to make some decisions today, but if you're a bit older like me, I want to I push some 
Awkward questions. How are you doing in this phase? Um, Don't you dare dial back. Don't you dare make it about just your comfort. You know, this is what he says. We come now to the goal in some sense of the masculine journey. I'd say feminine as well. The maturity for which God has been fathering the man since his first breath. To be a king, i.e. to wield power, influence, and property in his name. I am going to, it's like, man, you come to this place where now I do have some influence. And, and am I going to do that well? You know, he says, the great problem of the earth and the great aim of the masculine journey boil down to this. When can you trust a man with power? Oh my goodness, a whole lot of times you can't, can you? Because they screw it up because it becomes about them. Because it becomes manipulative and controlling and arrogance. And, and he says, I remember Dallas Willard, who's a spirituality writer, saying once that he believes the whole history of God and man recounted in the Bible is the story of God wanting to entrust men with his power and men not being able to handle it. Do you see, like, God's going, I want to entrust you with more influence. I want to position you. Yeah, these battles to break through, I want to take you to a place where you have influence, but can I trust you with it? Are you ready for it or will you screw it up? And it's like, no, no, I want to do this well. Sorry, I'm going to read a bit. This is what a good king, was that the next one? This is what a good king does. He uses all he has to make his kingdom like the kingdom of heaven for the sake of the people who live under his rule. Oh my goodness, it's not about me. If I'm, if I'm now become the, uh, you know, the, even if I'm a teacher in a classroom, my job is to unlock something of God's good rule in that classroom, that the kids experience something of his grace and his peace and his love. If I'm a stay-at-home mum, my role is to unleash something of heaven into that family. If, I, if I'm a doctor, it's to care for my patients in a way that they experience something of the grace and the security and the love of God. If I'm leading a business and my clients get an experience of a business that actually serves them and is interested in them, and staff who experience what it means to have strong, boundary leadership, but, but is seeking their growth. It's like, what on earth am I here to do? I'm here to unlock something of heaven in the world that God's entrusted to my care. Now, the what of am I called to education, am I called to health, am I called to law, that's just like the tool to do the job, but the actual job is steward influence to unlock something of heaven on earth. Don't you dare be an arrogant, selfish person who makes it all about you. You know, he goes on to say, too many men having reached this point in their journey, or rather finding themselves kings even though they have not taken the masculine journey, seize the opportunity to make life good, dot, 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 for themselves. The average man in his 40s or 50s comes into a little power and influence, a little discretionary cash, and he spends it making himself comfortable. Who wished you stayed at home this morning and didn't come to church? I didn't come here to get insulted. Right. He buys himself a lounge and a big screen TV. He goes out to dinner, joins the country club, takes more expensive vacations. He works if he has to, but the purpose of his labors is only to build his savings so he can lead a life of leisure. See, you've reversed it. It's no longer about getting paid to sustain you while you, while you serve the cause. The cause exists just to give me something for the real life that I want, which is a life of leisure. How dare you abandon the cause of God for a little world of comfort and ease. 
You know, he goes on to say, is this not so? There is a sense of entitlement that seems to come with the 40s and 50s. I've worked hard in my 20s. You don't know how much I say. I deserve a few perks now. Nehemiah, 12 years. I didn't touch it. I didn't touch I, I had every right to, but I decided I wasn't going to act like that. Because I had a job to do, and out of reverence for God, I didn't act like that. Colin, it's a turning point for some people today around settling some of this stuff. The man has worked hard to get here and something in him says, hey, I've paid my dues, now it's my turn to have some fun. At precisely the point where God wants to open up doors of influence, people back off and make it all about me. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. I think of one example he gives a businessman I know having built a successful company laid the burden of its increasing stresses on the shoulders of his people while he went off to buy cars and vacation homes. For him, it was eat, drink, and be merry. For them, it was more bricks, less straw. That's a reference to Moses and slavery. This This is not why a man is given power and property. This is not why God releases you to a place of influence. And this, this is the final one. But when you look at the lives of the bad kings in Scripture and in literature, people like Saul or Herod, characters like, I don't know who that guy is, but Commodus and Gladiator, the contrast becomes clear. Life is all about them. That's bad leadership. It's all about me. The kingdom revolves around their happiness. You know, this, the, here's the landing point. You know they didn't wake each morning to ask themselves, what good can I do for others today with the power and wealth I have? And that, but this, but that is the question a good king asks. It requires a holiness most men simply don't desire. Oh my goodness. A good king wakes up in the morning and says, what can I, what good can I do for others today with the power and wealth I have? How do I unlock something more of heaven onto earth? How do I steward the influence God has given me? How do I see something greater happen for God today? If that sounds all a bit obscure, who remembers the movie The Lion King? Okay. What's interesting is Hollywood actually nailed this. What's biblical stuff, what's kind of deep psychological stuff, Hollywood actually nailed it, if you know the story. So Mufasa, the father king, this is a scene where he's looking over his kingdom, trying to explain to Simba what it means to be king. And, and, what, and what for him, he, he actually represents the spirit, this heart that says, do you know what? To be king is not about me. It's about serving the flourishing of the domain that God's put under our care. It's actually a place of service. It's not a place of control. And Simba, as the young king, kind of doesn't get it, you know, for him. Uh, but it's all about him. So if you know, there's a song, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. And this is the immature leader. This is, you know, he says, I'm going to be a mighty king. So enemies beware. Zazu says, well, I've never seen a king of beasts with quite so little hair. This, I'm going to be the main event. It's all about me. Like no king was before this, I'm brushing up on looking down. I've got to practice looking down on people, controlling people, ordering people around. No, 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 Mufasa is, no, no, we're here to serve the flourishing of our, our domain, Simba. I'm working on my roar. You know, oh, I just can't wait to be king. And this, no one's saying do this, no one's saying be there, no one's saying stop that, no one's saying see here, free to run around all day, free to do it all my way. Yeah, no one does tell you to do. But Nehemiah's lesson, out of my own integrity, I put the constraints on my life. I said that I'm going to serve this. I'm not going to take these things. I'm going to be devoted to the task. And I decide that I'm going to serve the purposes of God. 
precisely at the moment when no one is telling me what to do. It comes down to personal integrity. You know, I just can't wait to be king. Everyone look left, everyone look right. Everywhere you look, I'm standing in the spotlight. Ah, no, Simba, but that's immaturity. You know, oh, the pictures aren't working today. And so then there's a Hakuna Matata phase where he says, no, I'm just going to have fun, and he goes off and plays. But then he comes back as the mature king where he actually gets it. No, no, being king is about seeing my domain flourishing. What on earth am I here to do? Cause the flourishing of whatever part of God's world he's put under your care. Serve that. Then ask him, okay, which part of this world? So this call is around that. You know, this is a big biblical theme. Uh, let me just show you some of the stuff in Scripture. Here we go. Um, so what's the underpinning of this? Jesus talked a lot about being a steward. That's, I'm not an owner. It's not my family. It's not my business. It's not my classroom. It's not my hospital ward. It's not my practice. I'm a steward of something for God. You know, and who is the faithful and wise steward whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household? Yes, put in charge, but for what purpose? To give them their food at the proper time. You're there to care for the people in your world. Leadership is, is about service. Leadership is about influence. You know, and it's interesting, he starts off doing okay, but notice what catches him out. Suppose the servant is wicked and says to my master, my master is staying away a long time, and he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink. It's like, it's easy to do it at the beginning. It's easy to make great sacrifices when you're trying to get your degree and you're trying to get your business started and you're trying to get your career, but where you lose the plot is in the long haul. And that's where you need this deep sense of vision and call. So you don't lose perspective, in the, and like after a certain point, you go, oh, stuff this. I'm sick of busting my gut for this. I just, I just need to look after myself. I deserve another holiday on the Gold Coast. I deserve a few extra perks. I, I deserve it. I'm sick of it being all about caring for these people. I'm sick of the kids in my class. I'm sick of the patients on my ward. Stuff them. It's going to be about me now. And that's, that, don't miss it on the long haul. You know, another parable, and it's not just a static kind of care, maintenance. The other one about the parable of the talents, you know, he called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Down in verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work. Like, you're supposed to work this thing. You're supposed to make this whatever part of the world, you're supposed to see this thing grow and flourish and develop. And the bad guy, he just buried it. It's like, oh, whatever, I don't care. No, 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 we're responsible for God. Don't take your eye off the ball. What is God wanting to, you to develop in your world? You know, and again, same thing. After a long time, they both got caught out on the long time. You can sustain something in your teens and 20s when you're trying to get an opening in life. But, but unless you really understand this, in your mid-30s and 40s and 50s, you're going to go, I'm over this. I'm just going to look after me now. I'm going to bury this talent. I'm going to start getting what I can get out of this. Where does this come from? It actually comes 
right back from Genesis chapter 1. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? God comes and he, to this formless, chaotic mess and he steps in and he starts creating order and structure and fullness and blessing and he makes it. By the end, it's all very good. He steps into this world of chaos and, and he just makes it good. And then at the end of the chapter, God said, let us make mankind in our image. Well, what's God just done? He's a, he's a God who steps into chaos and makes it good. You're made in his image. He gives you some part of his world and says, step into that chaos and create order and structure and blessing and abundance and just make it really good. Make that classroom the best classroom that's ever been seen in Dunedin. Make that hospital ward the best ward around care. Make that medical practice the best practice. Just make it really good. Because you're made in the image of God. That's what it means. You create things that are good. You know, he goes, God blessed them, said, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule. Like, be a good king or queen over the world I've put you in. Now, it's interesting, Pastor Sam Monk says, you know, the funny thing about the in the kingdom, responsibility is a reward. Leadership just means I get to serve a greater sphere of influence. I get to serve more people. I get to be responsible for their care and well-being and their influence and increase. I get to serve more people. Thank you, God. Nehemiah set this example in his own life. This is what um, uh, Nicky Gumbel said. Personal integrity, modest lifestyle, no personal gain, generosity to others, and single-minded hard work. Let me just pick a couple of these things kind of in closing and just note a few more things about them. You know, it said about them, their assistants also lorded it over the people. Interesting, that's a phrase that gets picked up in the New Testament. You're supposed to nod then and go, yeah, I knew that. Um, Jesus, it's a really important, because Jesus picks it up when he talks about leadership. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Verse 26, not so with you. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. In the, in the world, leadership is about the chance to lord it over people, control people, have my say. No, in the kingdom, leadership is an opportunity to serve more people. Who's God called you to serve? Family, your workplace. Who's he called you? Leadership is a place to serve, not to lord it over. That phrase gets picked up about leadership of um, church, but realizing, man, just uh, this actually applies to any form of leadership and influence. And it's almost like Peter's picked up Nehemiah's discussion and unpacked it all. You know, I appeal to you as a fellow elder who share, uh, be shepherds of God flock that is under your care. Yeah, they're under your care. Whatever form of leadership, you have people under your care. You have a place under your care. Watching over them, this he says three things. Not because you must, but because you're willing. Not, oh, I'm for, oh, I have to front up. I have to come up with the budget for this year. I have to come up with a strategic plan. No, no, you're in there because you want to see this thing growing. Otherwise, get out of the way. But don't milk it and see it just plateau and die while you're focused on your own well-being. You know, it says not... Um, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. That's precisely what Nehemiah said. We didn't milk it for what we could get out of it. We were there to serve. I'm there to serve. And finally, um, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And again, when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory. It's like, I'm a steward. 
Yeah, this applies to elders in the church, but it applies to any career that you're part of, any part of your world. And, and it's like, this is the things you need to decide that you're not going to do when you get a position of influence. There are things you need to decide, I'm not going to do these things. I don't care if everyone else does, I'm not going to do them. You know, another thing that comes up in this, or an example of this is Joseph. Um, if you know Joseph, when he's young, he has this dream that his, it's a sheath of grain, and all these other sheaths bow down to him. And it's like, man, I'm going to, I have this vision for my life. One day I'm going to be in a place of influence where everyone's going to bow down to me. The funny thing is that does actually end up happening. But by the time he gets there, God has put him through so much hardship and struggle that he realized it was, it was never about that. So he ends up being the prime minister of the world empire, the second uh, most influential man in the world. And everyone except the Pharaoh is bowing down to him. But when his brothers come, this is what Joseph says. It was, third line down, it was to save lives. God sent me ahead of you. Verse 7, God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives. God just opened up a position where I could serve you. That was all what it was about. I'm, I'm not the prime minister of Egypt. I'm here to serve you. You know, he goes on to say, um, I'm here the saving of many lives. Somehow Joseph got it. Influence is about service. Now it just means I get to serve millions of people through a famine. It was never about people bowing down to me. It was about serving. You know, uh, another thing. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. Example, King David at the time when the kings go off to war, David said, Joab out with the king's men. It's like, David, one job, be the king. This is the time of the year. You develop your budget. You develop your strategic plan. You pull together your key team. This is not the time to be AWOL, to be absent. If you're going to be the king, be there. Be devoted. Be focused. And, but David remained. You know, David fought a whole lot of battles when he was young, but he blew it in his moment of success. Oh, it's going all right. I don't, I'm not feeling it now. I'll just dial back. And this is the moment when he got in trouble and he abused his power. You know, he sees this beautiful woman. He sends someone to find out about it. He summons her. He's the king. He's got power. That's abusive power. And he slept with her. He's ma- she's married. He knows she is. David, it all started because you took the eye, your eye off the ball. You should have been out there fighting the battles, leading your men. You got into trouble because you took your eye off the ball. Just a final one. He says, you know, we did not acquire any land. It's funny, when I was writing this message, I got this, I saw this email appear in my junk email box. And uh, when I opened it, it, oh, the picture's not going to come up. I don't know why. Uh, This is, you know, about he never demanded food. Oh, it did come up. Why this one? This is what, this was in my email box. Renting a private jet is more affordable than you may think. Travel in style on a private airplane. It's like... I don't think it is more affordable than I might think because I've never actually thought about that. Like, who, who sends out email like, oh, it's just bizarre, isn't it? Appealing to kind of, I don't know, ah, oh, I deserve to fly at a private jet. Crazy. Nehemiah 5.15, maybe I can get the musicians to come back. This is what Nehemiah said, out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Are you going to succeed at success? 
or you're going to bust your gut working hard to get through uni, to start a career, to start a business, and then you're going to blow it in your 30s and 40s and 50s. You don't want to do that. You want to serve well to finish the task God gave you to do.